The Sunday Grill with Wexford Winterland, bringing you Santa's North Pole experience at home. For more info, visit wexfordwinterland.com. First guest this morning found an idea she had since a college student was something that would work really well in lockdown and so Twilight Together was born. Ruth Medgeber joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell me more. You're very welcome, Ruth. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, Twilight Together, which photographed people all over Ireland at their front window at dusk, has really grabbed a hold of our interest, hasn't it? It really has done something for people. Yeah, people seem to be really enjoying it. Uh, and like, that's amazing for me. And I really enjoyed doing it and working, you know, so hard at it all across Ireland there for a good while of uh, of lockdown. Like it was it was a little sanity saver for me as well. So I think maybe people are um, are seeing all that in the book. So while we were all stuck in our homes thinking of where we could go in our two and five kilometres, I never saw one particular river in Waterford as much as I did during those (laughs) months. You were able to go to different counties and photograph people. That must have felt like a gift, did it? It did. Yeah, like the whole thing felt like a gift, really. But I I had my low moments as well. I was the first few weeks of lockdown were very hard and very, you know, Mm. everyone kind of felt like you're trapped, you know, Mm -hmm. and then when I got this project off the ground and there was so much public interest, it was then kind of deemed as, um, as you know, art and cultural importance. And then I, I got the, the gift to travel and I used it. I really used it. I, but I'd leave my house, um, in the afternoon and do a long journey, like four hours down the road to Waterford or whatever, and, uh, do the photographs at maybe 10 or 11 at night. Cause you know, twilight in the height of summer was, oh, yeah, of was that time. And then, I'd hop back in the car around midnight and do the four hours back. And yeah, it was it was a lonely time as well. So it, it might sound like I was around gallivanting, but it was a lot of hours on the road on my own, listening mm. to the radio and podcasts and stuff. So, but yeah. And you're someone who's used to traveling, of course, in your job mm. as a photographer and your job before the t- pandemic, because you would have been someone who photographed a lot of gigs and festivals. And that just stopped on March, yeah. what, 12th? Yeah. And then yeah. you started again. So you've had to reimagine your career in one way, have you? Oh, absolutely. What I'm doing this year is is not like anything I've kind of done before. You know, so I, I, I'm a professional music photographer. I, mm. I get on a tour bus and I travel through, you know, I wake up in a different country every day and it's, it's a lovely way of life. And yeah, so I'm used to the, the, the long roads and the long drives and particularly in the summer, I'd pack the car and I'd drive to Glastonbury and I'd drive to all these festivals in the UK and Europe and yeah I, March was very difficult I think it was even before March 12th the things stopped for me my last gig was March 5th and uh, pretty much overnight everything was put on pause and taken away and my, I was told I couldn't work anymore and that there's no shows and it was it was desperate like it was very very sad and it was heartbreaking and yeah it was very lonely and I grieved a lot for what I what I was losing that year I had a whole year two years of of solid bookings and I was due to have an exhibition in Australia and then do do Glastonbury again and go on tour and it was all gone yeah so I think I kind of tell people that this project was born out of a mixture of like boredom loneliness and grief and Mm. that you know this project kind of um it saved me in a way that I didn't realize what I was 
the thing that I was missing, it wasn't really the gigs, you know, it was the people. Yeah, it was the community. You know, the community was, it's the crack you have. You, you, like I'm, I'm one of those people that feeds off other people's energy. And mm. uh, I think we all kind of do in one way or another, like, and this project just got me back talking to people again, because I live on my own. And I think anyone who lived on their own during the first lockdown, it was very, very hard, very hard. So this, you know, I met 150, I went to 150 households for this book. That's 499 people. And um, I just, without those people, like my year would have been a totally different, different uh, ball game altogether. Like I, I was just heartbroken. So every night when I was bouncing from window to window to window, I was kind of picking up a little bit of happiness, a bit of a buzz and, oh. you know, putting myself back together a little bit. So that's, yeah, that's what it did for me. How lovely. And we said at the start that this was an idea that, that kind of had started for you when, when you were a college student. Yeah, I mean, I had the notion of taking these photographs of like people in their windows years and years and years ago, right? Mm. So like, I, I'm a very nosy person. I think the majority <laughs> of us are. Yeah. And you know when you're out walking of an evening, like when it gets to twilight or dark or whatever, and you're out walking and you just happen to be walking by someone's house and they have the big light on and the blinds open, you're going to throw your eye in. You're going to have a little look at their house Definitely. and see what they're up to because they're on show, essentially. And I always thought, I always found it was so fascinating. Like it's a scene within a frame, you know, it's like a snapshot into someone's life because their homes are so intimate and personal and private. And then suddenly you get to see in it. So I, I had an idea to photograph people at their windows years ago. But I shelved it because it didn't have any relevance. It wasn't culturally culturally relevant at all. Mm. There was no hook to it. It it was just pure voyeurism. And um, but then <laughs> when the pandemic happened, and uh, yeah, I was kind of looking around. I was like, oh look at that! Everybody in Ireland is at home. We're all being told to stay yeah. at home. Fanawalia is the message, and we're getting all over the place. I was like, oh, just this is a nice little time to start that project. And uh, so the project that previously had no point to it all of a sudden I had a massive point and I was like oh god this seems right so I went out and I um I tested it with a friend of mine my poor friend who was always my guinea pig I was like listen I have an idea you need to keep your baby awake I want to take your picture <laughs> and uh, she was like okay whatever you That's need to do ask at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> well this was starting oh, this was March, March yeah. so it was actually 13 minutes past eight. <laughs> oh, excellent! not so bad so. not so bad yeah so the baby who normally went to bed at half seven was kept a little bit awake past her bedtime and I took a picture of, of her family at the window and um, this their house is like my second home and it's a house where I'm I'm very used to kind of just letting myself in going straight to the kettle putting on you know and going and sitting down and just kind of chilling out like I'm, it's a home from home mm. and uh the saddest thing about this is when I went this was on March 23rd when I took the first photograph and uh it was a very strange feeling. I put my hand on the door handle to go in and then I kind of just clocked myself and I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't go in. And I was like, that's yeah. that's so horrible. And so we kind of talked through the window and then time did the picture, went to say goodbye. And it was like, oh, 
we don't know how long this is going to be. We don't yeah. know the next time I can go into your house and pick up the baby. And, you know, this this little girl was, she was six months old, Beth was at this time. And I was like, you know, I love this child, like love the bones of her. And I'm like, I want to just go in there and give you a big squeeze. And I can't, and I still can't. And that breaks my heart. Like, yeah, but when I looked thing. back, I got in the car and I looked back at the photograph I'd taken. And I think it was a mixture of the sadness I felt leaving them. But then the little glimmer of their life through their window on the camera, I was like, oh god I this makes me mm. feel a lot <laughs> so I was like yeah. I should I should continue it and then that's when I went and I worked every night for three and a half months and till I got enough until I felt like I'd covered enough of the country and got as many people in the book that I possibly could of you know people from all different walks of life yeah, from that's all what I was yeah. going to say because I think even if you did this kind of a book maybe even 15, 20 years ago, it would be a very different representation of Ireland. Ireland really has changed. Was that in your mind as you were going around the country? Well, yeah. I mean, it's always in my mind. It's definitely an intentional part of this book that I wanted every race, religion, ethnicity, culture, every type of person who lives in Ireland represented. Because I I'm I'm a mixed race woman. My mm. father's from Africa, my mom is from Dublin. And like I grew up in that in like, you know, I'm 34 now. So I I grew up with never seeing a representation of myself anywhere mm. in art, in galleries, in in the media. And if I did see a version of myself, it was always portrayed in a in a like less than positive way, shall we say. Mm. And I don't I don't I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. And I I hope that there's kids out there who are growing up who aren't, you know, like your typically white Irish, you know, freckles and blue eyes, like that they'll see themselves in some in the book. So there's a lot of different people, you know, there's 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 families celebrating Eid, the Muslim celebration. There's mm-hmm. uh, Leanne, um, who's a member of the traveling community and our gorgeous boys in, in, in their trailer. Like so there's all these different types of people. And it was crucial for me to do a very fair representation and like even like as far as like different professions and different personalities because you know I didn't want them all to be like crazy artists from my own group I was like no let's go far and wide and get all the different and different generations as well like yeah, this lovely yeah I mean like John and Una who are down in Waterford like they they melted my heart I, I only had a, a very quick minute this was one of the first nights I did in Waterford where I did mm-hmm. about four, four or five houses that night and I uh, was spinning around and kind of going from house to house and rocked up to John and Una and like they're 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 cocooning age you know mm-hmm. and uh John was like instantly he was like Una's the artist do you want to see some of her work and I'm like yes 100% show me I've only got two minutes but do and it this is like brought up to the window then yeah was it? brought her <laughs> paintings bring her paintings up to the window and I was like she's an incredible painter uh, and then I noticed that the chair was positioned in such a way in front of the window and the lighting was set everything was ready and he was like yeah Una's the artist but I'm going to direct this photograph I want to sit here and she's going to put her hand on my shoulder like they used to do in the old Victorian ways. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so it was that kind of lovely little bits and pieces and stories I was hearing all over How the place. Lovely. Yeah. And were people really open to doing this? I can think of like as a, I make a lot of documentaries and I really do come up against sometimes people who don't, who feel they're judged in a certain way and, and don't want to put themselves out there. 
Yeah, well, you see, I didn't, I didn't ask people to be part of this. They came mm. to me, <laughs> which was great. great. Yeah, I didn't, you know, when I put the first set of pictures out, uh, the Irish Times ran it on their front cover, which was amazing. Um, and I never thought, I, I only, I only made this project to begin with for my Instagram, like, and it was just that people seemed to like it that it went as far as I did, but um. The day after it ran on the Irish Times, I had 400 emails in my inbox from people either asking to be part of it or even just like kind of going, go on, like fair play to you, you're doing great. I'm loving seeing this. Well done. You know, they might be in the States or in Australia or something and they just like seeing a little slice of home, maybe feeling a tad bit homesick or worried for people here. And they were, you know, people were just either volunteering their windows or offering like words of kindness. So it wasn't one of those projects that I had to nervously ask people to be part of. So it was it was fantastic. So that I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. You know what I mean? I didn't. There was no awkward kind of like, please be in my project. (laughs) Which is always tough. So it's lovely when people want to get involved in it. And you know what's lovely about them too? Some of the images are up on Instagram if, if people want to have a look at them this morning. Everyone's window is just a bit different. But I fi- would find it so easy to pick where some of those windows are. You know, it's easy to say, oh, that's an apartment. That's probably a city. Or that's a real <laughs> Dublin house. Or, you oh, know, that's a country I- coastal house. I see. I I don't think so because I I, no because there's definitely some houses that you're looking at and you think it's one thing but it's totally different. Yeah. So like some of the big, fabulous, tall windows that look you know that take up the whole page and you're thinking you're thinking that's definitely city centre and I'm like nope that's on a lake uh, in Clifton miles away. You know, or there's little, brilliant. Yeah, but then there is ones that are shiningly obvious. Like I have uh, Zoe and uh, and her family in their tiny cottage. Oh yeah, they're actually in County Kilkenny. So yeah, yeah, they're in Kilkenny, and it's this gorgeous little cottage window. It's the probably the smallest window I have in it, but yeah, that's glaringly like a little country cottage. Yeah. Oh, how fab. It's such a lovely idea. And I think it's going to be such a keepsake to remind us of what happened in 2020, because it's so easy when it's all over to forget all those socially distant signs and being told to wash our hands and stay at yeah. home. So I think this is just a piece of history that you've captured. And um, it's oh. out now. It's called Twilight Together. It's in all good bookshops. And if you want to check out Ruth on Instagram, she is at Ruthless Imagery. Ruth, it was so lovely to talk to you this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest this morning has got together with some new friends to create a virtual Christmas event in aid of some important charities. Tracy Wade is on the phone to explain about sharing the old magic of Christmas. Hi, Tracy. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I love this idea of sharing the old magic of Christmas because I... I think that what Christmas means to people, like Christmas means a lot of different things to different people, but I think that it it can be quite materialistic, can't it? It can, it can, yeah. In the last couple of years, I think, even myself, I'm to blame, I'd be buying all the expensive presents. Mm -hmm. um, But because of COVID, I think everybody just had to slow down. And I think an awful lot of people realised that their nearest and dearest, and whether that be their family or their friends, the ones that are closest to them are the ones that matter and the ones that are important. Yeah. So I think we're going to have a very different Christmas this totally. year in, in that in that respect. Now, you've made some new friends this year and between all of you, you've come up with the sharing the old magic of Christmas. Tell, tell me about these friends and how you met them. 
Well, last year I would have suffered very badly with my sleep patterns and um, I had muscle pain. So one of my friends, Donna Broderick, um, she is a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils. And she, she introduced me to uh, these doTERRA essential oils and all of a sudden I was sleeping great again and I was in great form. She gave me an anxiety blend um, and I use that every day still. Um, and all of a sudden I was in great form. And then through that, I started selling the oils myself because um, my belief in them was just, I'm actually obsessed with them okay. um, and, and what they do. They're brilliant. Um, so like Donna says, anybody that came into her house or my house, the oil got a rub or a lick of something, some sort of an oil for an ailment. So we were chatting the other day. We normally meet up on Zoom uh, once a week and uh, there's about maybe six or seven of us on the group. They're lovely, really, really nice women, beautiful women. And they, um, they all have their own gifts and talents. And we decided to do a, a virtual event showcasing our gifts and talents and raise a bit of money at the same time for those less fortunate. So our two charities that we're going to raise money for are Simon Community and Focus Ireland. Okay, and you're bringing Christmas into this. So give us an example of some of those gifts and talents and how they can um, be attached to Christmas time. Okay, so um, one of the girls is going to do some baking. Alice is going to do baking and um, she is going to... um, She's going to do an alternative Christmas pudding, which is actually going to be a biscuit cake uh, in the shape of a pudding. And um, she's going to do some um, cranberry sauce with uh, a twist. So she's going to use our wild orange oil infused in the cranberry. Um, Donna's granny is going to do, um, she's going to start basting the ham and show us the old tradition of how how that was done. She's in her mid-90s. Um, there's going to be um, gift ideas and arts and crafts um, and now I'm, I'm a teacher so because CAO has opened for the leave inserts I'm going to be the boring one and I'm going to be doing a presentation on CAO okay. but I think that's, that's important as well because it's something that is causing major anxiety um, because of the way last year's leave insert went versus you know the ones that the leave inserts before that so mm-hmm. We just thought we'd put something like that in. And then um, Anne is, um, she does CVs and advises people on how to write CVs and um, cover letters. And she um, trains people for interviews. So she's coming on after me then and she's going to talk about that. So there's a nice link with everything. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be run from... um, Saturday evening until um, on all day Sunday then. Okay, that's great. And that's next weekend, the 21st and the 22nd of November. And you're from all over Ireland, which is the great thing of a virtual virtual event that you can get together online. Exactly. And actually, my brother is in Melbourne, Stephen and his wife Zoe. They're going to do um, uh, a demonstration of how to make starters and fancy sides for your Christmas dinner. Lovely. So he's a chef. Um, he's called the Red Chef, and he's out in Melbourne. So, like that, it's it's virtual. So he's just going to come on and um, at his uh, um, a lot of time. And the beauty of it is, is that it's it's going to be on Facebook. So once you donate a minimum of ten euro uh, to our GoFundMe page, you'll automatically get access to the closed Facebook page. Okay. And 
they all the presentations are going to be there, so you can dip in and out um, during the day. And you're, you know, if you're not able to stay on all day, that's fine. They're going to be recorded and they're going to be left there on Facebook for you to pop in and out of um, during the day as you see fit. Brilliant idea. So people can watch them after the fact if they want to have a, a learn of how to make some starters or how to base the exactly. ham and things like that. Brilliant. Exactly. Or if you're like me, you need to watch a thing about three times before it goes into <laughs> your head. So it's always good to have that sort of a, a, um, an event happening where, you know, everything is recorded for you and you can just go back and have a little look at it again. I think we've all come to the realisation that Christmas is going to be very different for people yeah. this year. As you were saying, you have a brother in Melbourne. Had he thoughts of coming home even at Christmas time? Or He had. Oh. He had. Um, my cousin got married there in September and he was supposed to come home for that. But obviously they were on lockdown up until last week. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't, they couldn't move anywhere. And he's hoping, you know, when the flights open up again now to come home. Okay. Hopefully in January, February, he might Christmas be home then. Out, but yeah, he it? was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And will Christmas so, then be different for the rest of you this year as well? Um, We're very family oriented in my family. Um, my granny is actually 104. Okay. So longevity is there. <laughs> and she is the centre of our world. Oh. And she is, we meet up every Saturday, but we've already planned that we're going to have dinner with her. And, um, you know, it's just my mum and dad and myself, my husband, my sister, her husband, and then my two aunts and um, uh, uncle and my gran. So it's just about maybe 10 of us. And that's what it usually is every year. And we just, you know, we do the Christmas thing. We buy each other presents. And after the dinner, we sit around and we open our presents. And it's lovely. It's really, really good. God, I hope you get to do yeah. that again this year and that, you know, Thank you. it is level three because it must be particularly tough for, for your granny in particular. It is indeed, it is indeed. And even, like, we don't live very far away from her. So, you know, even, like, there was a time a couple of weeks back where I was talking to her from the window. I wouldn't go in because mm. being in the school environment, I didn't want to pass anything on to her. Yeah. But, um, but no, we're, we're good again and she understands. She understands why we can't go into her sometimes and she'd be the very first one to tell us to go away if she knew that there was, you know, we were bringing in something to her. Yeah, so that's good to hear. She's funny like that. And yeah, you weren't yeah. tempted she's, she's to, well with it. you weren't tempted to get her to do a, a little bit of virtual cooking for your... Not virtual <laughs> cooking, but we may have a plan for her to sing or to read a poem. Oh, it's fair. in the pipeline. Lovely. Yes, it's in the pipeline. I just have to get her on a good day. Okay. <laughs> well, it really does sound like you are sharing that old magic of Christmas and that's exactly what the event is called. It is a vir- virtual event, of course, happening next weekend, November 21st and 22nd. Uh, the yes. minimum donation is €10, Euro, as you said, and it gives you a yes. chance to go onto that closed Facebook page and take up some of those different videos that are being made to use, I suppose, other people's experience and what they do at Christmas time. And as you said, sharing exactly. that old magic and all proceeds go to the Simon community and Focus Ireland. You have it all thought out, Tracy. We have it all thought out. Well planned. You have a great team. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations and best of luck next week. Thanks Thank a million you very for much. Talking and thanks to, to all your listeners and thanks to yourself. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. What is it about a bookshop and in particular a secondhand bookshop? Is it the smells, the browsing, the recommendations? It's just a lovely way to spend an afternoon. 
and one shop that's been offering all that and some coffee to boot in Kilkenny City for just over a year now. They are the Book and Coffee Shop on William Street in Kilkenny City and it's owned by Stephen Book and Marion O'Neill. And Marion joins me on the phone this morning. You're very welcome, Marion. Thank you very much for having me, Orla. You opened your doors in August 2019. Why did you think Kilkenny City needed a second-hand bookstore in particular? Well, we had um, a variation of this in Thomastown previously. And um, we started as a, as a pop-up, really, but it kind of took off. So we ended up trading for a couple of years anyway. And then um, we went. To, we were travelling for a while, myself and Stephen, and... When we came back, we thought, we'll take the plunge and bring it to the big city and see how it goes there. And but that was just means, over a year ago. What? Just over a year, yeah. Do you have loyal customers in that, you know, just over a year? We do. Um, that worked uh, quite quickly, really. I suppose there's um, a thing about a bookshop, new bookshops and second-hand bookshops, that they're more than a retail space. There, if you do love reading and you love books, when you go into a bookshop, you go um, into a space that just has like-minded people. Mm. So um, they work as social spaces, True. largely. And people, you can see in there, are comfortable starting up a conversation with strangers or, you know, discussing their purchases with, with us as, as the retailers, but with anybody else who's there. From the start... And people found us and um, were quite loyal. But the the problem with the new business is uh, maintaining and building on that customer base. And then once COVID struck, you know, that um, dealt quite a blow. That is so difficult, of course, for so many businesses. Before we talk about COVID, was the coffee shop kind of a social part of the bookstore? Did that come with the bookstore when you started in August or did it come afterwards? No, it came with the bookshop. The okay. idea was to, um, and we do, we don't do much in the line of food, but we do cakes and things, and it's just coffee and books go very well together, they do. you know. <laughs> and um, it's to give a, a seating area as well that you can pick up a book and browse and read and have your coffee and How you know lovely. relax. There is just something, as you said, about a bookstore, isn't it? It's, and like you said, it's a social sense, but there's something just so me time about browsing yeah. a bookstore. There's a big difference between new bookshops and secondhand bookshops for that. And um, people going to new bookshops usually go with the title in mind. You know, they, they go to buy something they've heard about or something that's come out or, you know, something that's on the radio. But when you go to a second-hand bookshop, you don't go looking for a specific title. So it's it's a much more browsing experience. And you go, if you're interested, no matter what genre interested, you you kind of feel around it and feel the history of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even things like um, old travel books turn into a social history of how they were written or um, how society is changed since then, or cookery books even. So it's a completely different experience. And with that in mind, where do you source that, those sort of books? Well, it's the, yeah, that's part of the excitement of it, um, of finding good books, you know, and looking through the world for good books. So we just are looking out all the time. Um, 
we do a lot of uh, house clearances and buy from auctions. We usually try to buy in bulk and uh, it's it's just generally cheaper that way. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, we're just on the lookout all the time. How lovely. And a lot of people uh, clear out books, mm. you know, if they're moving or um, if they're renovating or... So we're always... Uh, we're always asking to be kept in mind for that oh, kind of thing. That's good to hear yeah. as well. Um, let's talk COVID. So you were, what, six to eight months into your new store in Kilkenny City and then yeah. March came um, along and doors had to be closed. Did you have to change yeah. certain things about your business model then? No, we didn't because the uh, there are there's only four tables in the shop. We took out some chairs, you know, through the different levels of restriction and the shop is quite uh, spaced out. There was no need to put in screens or anything like that. So we were lucky in that, that we could manage. Um, but a large part of our business was to uh, open up the space as a kind of literary events place. Mm-hmm. And we had things online. You know, we were going to do lectures. We There was a one-act play coming up. Um, we were hoping to have a small literary festival uh, during the summer and all that went by the wayside and we were we were running classes as well I um, in a past life used to uh, lecture in creative writing mm-hmm. and we'd started the first course of classes and they were very very popular but all of that had to be shelved excuse the pun and um, <laughs> that was a bit disheartening because it just it kind of broke the stride of the build-up of the business mm-hmm. and the build-up of its profile. And they you know. sound like lots of things that wouldn't necessarily work virtually. No, no, the whole thing was to be in the space and to make it um, part of the experience of the bookshop, you know. Okay. Um, can people shop with you at the moment online? Is that how people are shopping with you right now? They can, yeah. We've uh, got a website up and running with um, a selection of of what we have in the shop and we're on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, great. So, and you have some quite quirky literary related items that are for sale in your store. We're always talking about shopping local and these might make some lovely Christmas gifts if you have a book lover in your life. They're, you know, things from magnets and tell us a little bit about what you have. Yeah, we have a kind of selection of, of literary gifts and um, there's some jewellery and there's little fridge magnet puppets of, of literary characters and um, posters and book ends and things like that. But the the jewellery we're very, we are very fond of because um, they're related specifically to books, like there'd be Jane Austen jewellery or Scott Fitzgerald jewellery or um, Oscar Wilde jewellery. And they're beautiful pairings if you get like an old edition um, of The Great Gatsby and can put a necklace with it. Oh, it yeah. kind of ups the gift, you know, it yeah, turns lovely. it into something quite special. 
Lovely idea. Well, people can check that out on your website. As you said, it's bookcoffeeshop.com. And if you are missing your bookstores, there's a virtual tour of the book and coffee shop on William Street in Kilkenny City there. And you're also on Facebook, Maureen, if you just search for the book and coffee shop in Kilkenny. Thank you so much. Um, you'll have a busy few weeks on the run up to Christmas, whether it's virtually or back in the store. We don't know by now, but fingers crossed for yeah. everything. And hopefully we'll be back in the store for a little bit before Christmas. Let's anyway. hope so. Thank you so much much for talking to me this morning Marion. Thank you very much Orna. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well businesswoman Aveline O'Sullivan as well used to special moments be they sad or happy she's the woman behind Bloom in a box and her latest campaign is designed to break the stigma around men's mental health and encourage them to open up and lift the lid on their emotions during November. Aveline's on the phone this morning to tell us more. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Before we talk about Lift the Lid campaign, let's talk flowers in general, because I think flowers are a really interesting concept as a gift. It's it's not about the flowers, really, like giving someone perfume or a gift voucher. It's more about kind of acknowledging a moment, isn't it? Would you agree? It, it, it's, it's totally about the connection. I owned two flower shops with my sister, Sinead and Serica, for over 10 years. And flowers really are like a really age-old tradition since the Greeks, actually, in giving flowers. It's the gesture and the moment. And flowers mean different things for different people. Like, they symbolize different things or they bring back different memories. But, you know, there's great power. You know, I don't say I'm a florist. I'm I'm the person that owns a company that makes people feel good. Because it's the feel-good factor. Like, if a child even handed you a dandelion from the garden, you would... You would get that gesture and you get that powerful impact of what it's trying to do. It's just trying to connect. Mm. And that's what we do in Bloom in a Box. We just like to connect people. You say you worked in a florist, so that means you had lots of people coming in for different <laughs> occasions, as you said. Is there a flower for every occasion? Um, there, There is, they say, but I don't really follow those rules because what I find is, for example, people sometimes think that white flowers uh, for sympathy, right? But then yes. I have a lot of people I have noticed sending sunflowers for sympathy as well. You know, and sometimes it's a family tradition. Um, you know, sometimes like things like different roses. Like I would be somebody that roses would symbolize my grandmother to me, mm. you know, and a certain shade of pink. So, but there is like sunflowers are meant to provide energy and strength and, you know, um, sunshine basically. Um, yeah, you know, lilies sometimes people put with, with sympathy, but I, I follow it, but I don't follow it to the rule because I think it really is unique to the person sending definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. Well, as you said, you owned those two florists with your sisters, but now you've moved on to something a little different, but still in the uh, idea of giving flowers to people. But this is blooms in a box and it, and it is very unique. Tell us about it. Yeah, I suppose when I had the flower shops, what I noticed very quickly was that I couldn't scale from where it was. And I was frustrated that I couldn't get delivery vans out to people and reach more people. Because people were coming in to me going, you know, I don't really want to buy supermarket flowers and I don't really want to buy flower flowers. I kind of want something in between because all I'm trying to do is connect. But yet I want it to be beautiful. You know, they didn't want to say, oh, I only spent so much and it looks terrible, you know. And they didn't want to be spending huge amounts of money and then putting a, a big delivery charge on top of that. So I was listening to these stories all the time and I could really see it was just trying to connect. And sometimes like Hallmark don't have a card for it or, you know, there's millions of moments I say between people that it doesn't matter what the moment is because all that matters is that the person sending and the person receiving it get it. And so like this flower like often goes out for ladies who are like, for example, had a miscarriage or going through IVF treatment or, 
you know, um, different things in their life that sometimes it's hard to know what to send. Yeah, and it's or also even to acknowledge something like that. Yeah, mm. to acknowledge. And also sometimes when you don't know what to say. You know, you're not going to send a bouquet of flowers and you don't know what to say, but you know yeah. you want to say it. And even if you just put your name on the card, the point is that you made that connection. Mm-hmm. And that is all that most human beings want. Most, I mean, I, I'm a long time in, in connecting people and I read the cards every single day. And that's what brought me on to the Lift the Lid campaign. But I see what's going on in people's lives. And, and happy times too, by the way. Really lots of happy times. Mm. People just want to be acknowledged and go, you know, woohoo, you're fantastic, you're amazing, like that's such an achievement. And, you know, there's been a lot of, like, there's been a lot of sad news in COVID, of course there has, but there's been an awful lot of wonderful achievement that's kind of sometimes not acknowledged because people are so distracted with other things. And it's lovely to see people going out of their way to acknowledge, for example, like anybody that went to college or leaving search mm-hmm. or exams or anything, like, you know, and going out and saying thank you. Yeah. Thank you to them. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about your Lift the Lid campaign, because I presume when it comes to giving flowers from your own experience, is it mostly women who are receiving those flowers? There's a lot of women, but what I was finding is we did a Just Be Kind campaign for Mental Health Ireland from July of this year. So every box we send at one year goes to Mental Health Ireland because mm. we look at, we see it every day. We see the messages that are going out. And I just thought like, gosh, it's, you know, it's it's really big, but I've got so many emails saying, can I send this to a man? Can I send this? Of course you can. Mm. Of course you can. Because, like, women tend to talk more. You know, we do. We tend to reach out more and we talk more, and you can see that in the boxes. But, you know, a lady rang me, or she didn't ring me, she emailed me about four weeks ago. Uh, we sent a, a bloom to her father, who had lost his wife three years ago. And what she said is, my father's had a really hard time coping with it for three years. And she said, it's the first time, she said, I've seen him smile in a long, long time. You know, and all she wrote is that, you know, and all she wrote is that, I really miss you and I really love you. And she was at the other side of the country. And she went on Zoom with him that evening. And she, I mean, she took the time, you know, I actually have goosebumps. She took the time to email me and say, you made my dad smile because he's not coping since my mom died. Oh, that's so lovely. And I wonder if that letter and that flower was easier to do than actually saying those things to a man in particular you know to a man in particular he yeah. doesn't sometimes need all the you know the long you know thing explanation to go with it sometimes men because they just need a wink or a nod or oh, that's you know so what I mean lovely. sometimes they just need something to go I hear you if you want to talk let's talk I mean you don't have to write a man a long message yeah. only if you put your name on the card and this and you're is just where the lid has come in then yeah, because our box, you lift the lid, right? And so one day I was sitting there and I was going, it's kind of like lifting the lid. Because somebody said it to me, like, there's a beautiful bloom underneath. And, you know, underneath us all, there is that, you know, I don't want to say feminine side because flowers shouldn't be like that. It's mm. like that soft side to everybody that needs the light to be shining on them and needs to be fed and needs to be nurtured. And, and that's what it is, you know. It's, it's lifting that lid and saying, God, it's okay if you need a bit of attention. You know, it's okay. You know, we all do. You know, let's talk. Yeah. Let's and talk. I've I've experienced a lot, especially in work, of flowers being brought into work, especially for women being delivered. And the way their eyes light up and it, it, it you know, I'm yeah. just thinking of that man getting a flower, a bloom in a box from his daughter. And the way that must have really impacted him. It's such a lovely idea. Yeah, because I suppose for the man as well, he doesn't have need to go looking for a vase and he doesn't need to go doing anything because <laughs> it's sitting in, no, because, you know, it's sitting in water and it's there. And um, I and I know, like, I'm probably quoting someone, Toni Morrison, she 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 died mm. this year, says, does their face light up, right? 
And, and, and it's kind of like, do you ever see that wonderment in children's faces? And I get such excitement because I have this sticker on the front that says, I'm like a child when I'm talking here. It says, <laughs> someone's been, it says, open me, someone's been thinking about you. Oh. And then you open the box, right? And it's that whole experience of going, my God, who's a trauma? Mm. Who's, who's take, it, all it is is, who's taken the time to think in me? Yeah. That's, that is what it is. And it's like a real human need. It's yeah. just a human need to go, gosh, you know. Someone took the time. And if you smile even for one second when you open that lid, then my job is done. My job is done and I am really happy. Oh, it's fab. Well done. Um, as It's a campaign for November um, from Bloom in a Box. Bloominabox.com is the website if you want to have a check. And they're going to uh, donate one euro to Mental Health Ireland for yeah. every order for the rest of 2020. Aveline. Well done. It's so lovely. And I think you're going to be brightening up, brightening up a lot of men's lives over the next few weeks. Oh, thank you very much. And it was so great to talk about it. Thanks very much for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, registration has opened for the fourth annual Lit Young Writers Festival. And this year it's an entirely digital format with workshops for 14 to 19 year olds run by renowned authors journalists and songwriters. It's on next Saturday, that is Saturday, November 21st. And Tara Kennedy is one of the people behind organising the lit and she's going to tell us more. Hi, Tara. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm great. Good stuff. A busy time for the lit. Can you describe? Oh, yes, very busy. <laughs> and can you describe the lit for someone who hasn't heard of it before? Well, um, the Lit Festival is a writing and literary festival for young people by young people. So it's one of the only festivals like that in Europe, actually. Uh, we're supported by the Arts Council and now this year by RTE Supporting the Arts. So we have a bunch of people lined up. And this year we're kind of branching out to more different types of writing. Mm-hmm. So we have a songwriter and we have a Gwail Gore as well this year. Brilliant. So that's very exciting. So 14 so, um, to 19-year-olds, what sort of things when it comes to literary and writing are 14 to 19-year-olds usually interested in, do you think? Um, well, we always have a poet mm-hmm. or um, a writer of some sort because that's very big in Waterford. Um, I know a lot of poets myself that are my own age. Okay. Um, but it's we handpick the guests. So it's like we know, like it's what we'd like okay. and what our friends would like. So this year I, I recommended a songwriter to be on it because I'm very big into songwriting. I'm very interested in what you said about having friends who are poets and it being quite big for, for your age group. Why do you think mm-hmm. that is? I don't know. I think a lot of people lately are finding a voice in poetry mm. and finding a voice in writing and are really able to express that. So and it's very good to help that. Tell us what's on the digital calendar this year for for the Lit and some of the workshops. You, you have a bit of a coup in a, a Southeast-born uh, author and journalist who's doing very well for herself. I'm sure you'll probably mm-hmm. know Megan Nolan anyway, so it wasn't too much trouble to ask her to come and do a <laughs> workshop. But what is she going to be doing for you, for example? Megan Nolan is our headliner, so she will be Brilliant. our Friday event. Okay. Um, so she will be doing her thing. Okay, and what her is amazing her thing? thing. Uh, she does confessional writing, confessional pieces, so it's very personal, and mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting way to see how she writes and how she gets inside her mind and stuff. Uh, we also have Kieranie A., which is in association with the Paycoke Festival in Dungarvan, so mm-hmm. she's a Irish writer. So um, if anyone wants to work on their well gas, then they can go to that. Okay. Uh, we have Colin Keegan, who is an amazing writer. Um, we've had him in the past, and he's just he's just incredible. And we have Robert Power, who is a musician, who is doing a 
workshop on songwriting, which would be very fun. Brilliant. And how long are all the workshops usually? They're usually about an hour. Okay, so easy enough to kind of slot yourself mm-hmm. in for an hour. It's interesting what Megan is doing for you with the workshop. As you said, she's your headliner and she's on at 11 o'clock next Saturday. She's exploring mm-hmm. how it is to write in the first person because, as you said, she writes yeah. essays and columns and, and fiction. So that's what her workshop is going to be about, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. And then with the songwriter, is it about learning how to write songs? or It's learning about how to get into the creative process of songwriting. Okay, good stuff. Because there's a lot that goes into it. And um, if people aren't into workshops, we also have interviews mm-hmm. that we have done. So if people don't want to partake in a workshop but would like to learn what we're doing, we have interviews with Amy Beachel, who was a writer in the UK. She has her own book published. Uh, we have Justin Cullen, who's um, a musician. And we have Dave Rodden, who's an incredible author, um, who are interviewed by our own committee members. And... We also have a few other little spectacle things. We have a gig on our Instagram mm-hmm. with the incredible band Bankrupt and myself performing. Um, we have this um, thing called Papa Poetry. We do it every year where a bunch of people dress up in funny clothes and <laughs> recite poetry. Okay. Well, look, probably the best place that people can go to check out what's happening is your Instagram and Facebook. If you search for the Lit Young Writers Festival Waterford on Facebook and Instagram, that's where you'll find them. And if you want to book anything, you go over to Eventbrite and search for the Lit Young Writers Festival Waterford as well. As I said, it is happening this coming Saturday, November the 21st. Lots of workshops and, as Tara said, lots of other events, including interviews and some music too. Tara, best of luck with it and thanks for talking to me this morning. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, before we go, we're going to have to talk about that ad that was released this week by Super Value. I presume you've had a sob to it by now. And there's lots of Southeast connections in the ad, including a little girl who plays, well, I'll let her tell you herself. I'm Connor's little sister. That is five-year-old Emmy from Carlo, and she's part of the Super Value Christmas ad that struck a chord with so many people when it was released this week. Mom, is he still coming this year? Of course he is. Really, Dad? He's coming. Emmy loved taking part in the ad and has lots of plans for the future. When I'm old, I want to be a superstar on the TV. And when I'm older, I singing and dancing, get my own concert, go on the telly. Maybe I'm able to be on this Jojo Siwa concert, I will. And on that, it'll be super fun. But right now, Santa is on her mind. First I'm telling Santa. And me and him, he'd be super happy because he'd be super proud of me. I asked Santa for um, an airplane, a trampoline. So well done to Emmy from County Carlo for her part in the ad. You can follow Emmy as she reaches for the stars on her Instagram page that is run by her mum. It's called Once Upon an Emmy. But Emmy has a few people she wants to say hello to before we let her go. Yeah, of course. Hi, Max. Hi, Mum. And hi, Dad. And hi, Grandad. And hi, Tony. And hi, uh, Phil. And hi, um, hi, everybody. It's Emmy. 
Oh, thanks a million, Emmy, and well done for being part of an ad that really sums up our 2020. I'm sure we'll see you in lots of productions again soon. The Sunday Grill with Wexford Winterland, bringing you Santa's North Pole experience at home. For more info, visit wexfordwinterland.com.